0: Hey. Well, hello. I am Jennifer Nasor, former chair of the Mass GOP, and a very proud member of the Codcast family. Here with my colleague. Hi,
1: I'm Jessie Mermel. I'm a Democrat, and I thought you were about to say that you were a proud Republican, and I was giving you this look (laughs) like, really, these days? But you are a proud member of the Codcast family. That is true. I'm a proud Massachusetts Republican. There you go. There you go. That's an important (laughs) distinction. I was like, is she really about to say that? Um, No, I'm Jessie Mermel. I'm a Democrat. I'm the former communications director for Governor Patrick and uh, Jennifer's partner in crime here at the Codcast, where we disagree agreeably. Right? Yes. Did I get that right this time? Yes, you
0: did. Thank you for getting it right. I've been practicing. It, it's only taken like six months. I know. And we had a couple of
1: weeks off. so you We know, did. So Happy New Year, yeah. everybody. This crazy. is crazy. I know. We're very delayed in getting to this, but, you know, life. The podcast yeah. doesn't pay the bills, not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> Though if there are any sponsors out
0: there, yeah, we we're would game.
1: gladly accept...
0: <laughs> contributions to the Commonwealth <laughs> Magazine to keep our podcast going. There you go.
1: Won't make it to our <laughs> little, poc- pockets, but yeah, that's okay. Little little plug here. <laughs> there you go. Well, we have a really interesting conversation today. You know, typically we're talking about um, policy issues, although I suppose this is a policy issue. We're talking to candidates. But if there's one thing that touches all of those areas, it's voting. Yes. Voting is
0: incredibly well you know it's interesting clearly it is a privilege it is not a right to vote it is a privilege which is uh is given to all of us and it is a it is a wonderful thing that I think a lot of people take for granted um as we can see in our primary voters that don't come out to vote enough and our general election voters that definitely don't come out to vote enough and you know it begs the question is it the voting systems? Is it candidates, selection of candidates? Is it parties, um,
1: or lack of interest? It's so funny. As I listen to you talk, I pull up a text that my mother sent me on election day. Uh, My mom became a citizen in 2005, so she takes all of this very seriously. And she said, voting day, what a right. (laughs) (laughs) Love you all, lots, mom. Because my mom totally signs her texts. Um, But... (laughs) I think we we can have different differences of opinion about whether it's a right or a privilege, but I think we can agree that it is incredibly important. Yes.
0: Yes. And it is um, important for so many different reasons because these people are elected to protect us, to serve us, to legislate, make good policies. Yeah, to set um, a direction. To set a direction, to keep chaos at bay. Um, <laughs> Sometimes that goes better than others. Well, well, you know, we'll see with government shutdowns and... <laughs> I, I don't feel like chaos is really more than spitting distance away at this point. Yeah, it might be, might be a little bit closer <laughs> than we'd like to admit. Um, but I think, you know, one of the interesting things as a Republican in Massachusetts, um, I consistently think, you know, well, the quality of candidates, you know, on both sides of the aisle, um, people who participate in primaries, you um, you know, may sometimes you have an excellent candidate against someone who is just a spoiler. Um, you know, you watch people who have been in office for 26 years and seem not to leave because they do think it is their right to keep uh, that position for their lifetime. Um, and Please so- make
1: a comment about the people's seat. <laughs> Please. <laughs> It was the people's seat. It is the
0: people's seat. Can I tell you,
1: one of my favorite (laughs) tweets I ever sent, I happened to be on a plane with Scott Brown. He was sitting a few rows behind me. And I sent a tweet saying something about, like, apparently on this flight, the people's seat is row 13C. (laughs) That's actually pretty funny. I'm not going to lie. It's years later. (laughs) I'm still quite proud of that one.
0: That's pretty good. Um, and so, you know, it's a, it's interesting to to look at voting systems and how people and and the psyche that goes behind people's mindset in voting and whether it's just I'm a Democrat, I vote for Democrats, I'm a Republican, I vote for Republicans, or am I voting for the best person? And um, And so I always, and I know my friends who are in the legislature love when I mention this, but I love term limits. <laughs> I think term limits are great. Making friends um. wherever you go. <laughs> I know, you know, my reputation of, of being that person who just goes along with everyone to get along. <laughs> but you disagree agreeably. Right, but I disagree agreeably. So, you know, it's also a, do we need a change of Secretary of States? Do Secretary of States need to be a little bit more transparent? Do they need to figure out different ways to engage voters to come out and vote? Um, I think that there are many different ways. One of the interesting things that kind of fell across my lap more recently was um, ranked choice voting and how that type of systems change would affect our our voting systems here in Massachusetts.
1: Yeah, and it's so interesting. You and I have had the conversation where regardless of party, regardless of what um, you know position you're talking about, just the need for generational shift um, I think is a, a huge issue here in Massachusetts and around the country. And You know, I'm fascinated by the fact that we have voted one particular way, um, really since the inception of the country. Now, obviously we have uh, engaged more people in the process, As time has gone by, thank goodness. Um, But we've really, you know, vote for the one person you think is best. We haven't differentiated from that or deviated from that all that much. And so it's interesting to see how some municipalities around the country are starting to change. Other countries have been doing it differently for a long time. And so um, we're excited because today we're joined by Adam Friedman, the executive director of Voter Choice Massachusetts, really to help us learn a little bit about what this ranked choice voting issue is. We've heard a lot about it, it's been in the news. News, but it's a little bit foreign to us here in Massachusetts. So, Adam, thank you mu- so much for being with us to uh, help be- maybe get to the other side of this mystery.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah, this is exciting. This is a, you know, this for um, Jesse and myself, where both of us have been pretty entrenched in politics for a very long time. And I mean, not that long. We're very young. Yes, yes, very yes. Very I mean, you know, as, as uh, Jen something or others. <laughs> Actually for me. You're, you're you're on my end of the of the generational gap. I'm a, the weird zenial
1: I'm like from those few years in between millennial and Gen X, so I'm I'm just adrift. I'm adrift. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So in the in the very short period of time that we've had in our working careers, um, <laughs> we have spent much of it in politics and working with specific candidates and parties yep. and, and under an electoral structure that we're just used to. Yes. And so clearly what you're doing shakes everything up a little bit. So convince us, explain to us what it is that you do, why you're doing it, and how you think you would help on either side. And what's the 101?
2: That's great, thanks. Ranked choice voting is a very, very simple change to the vote, so it's nothing super radical. It's not a big overhaul. It's actually, you could see it like an amendment or an addendum on the ballot. Um, when you vote using ranked choice voting, instead of just picking one, you have the power or the option as a voter to go beyond just your first choice, just your favorite. You get the power of backup choices. So in addition to your first choice, you get to select a second choice, a third choice, a fourth, and so on. As many candidates as there are in the race, you can rank them in that order that you, the voter, prefer them.
1: And do you have to? Can you bullet vote? If I really just want to vote for, you know, Miss Piggy, who I think is a phenomenal leader, as my first and only choice. Can I do that, or do I have to also say Fozzie Bear and Gonzo?
2: (laughs) If you want to just pick one, you are free to just pick one. You do not have to rank more than one. We allow voters, if you've been voting for 20, 30, or 40 years, no one in this room I'm I'm targeting.
1: Absolutely not. No.
2: Then you can just do that, and you can vote the old-school plurality way. But if you want to have the power of backup choices, if your favorite does not have the support to continue, your vote transfers to your next available backup choice. That's the power of ranked choice voting. And that's why it gives voters inordinate vo- voice and choice more than they've ever had before.
1: So say more about how that transfer works, because that's really sure. where the I think the foreign mm. concept comes in. Yeah,
2: yeah. So people are really used to this super, super simple way of voting. Some people call it plurality voting. Some people call it first past the post. I call it caveman voting. Another term is pick one and pray. Uh, in a crowded field when there's 10 or 15 candidates it is really really hard to determine if your vote is going to go for someone who has a shot at winning because it's such a split field look at the the Democratic presidential primary field shaping up right now for the 2020 election um, or if there's uh, three or more candidates in the race you might have two front runners and a candidate that's similar to one of the front runners that's who we call this quote-unquote spoiler candidate now you have a dilemma because you might actually favor that. Independent or that third party or that, you know, someone who's not a front runner. But by doing so, you risk throwing your vote away and you also risk getting someone elected who you really don't like. That is a a, a spectacular dilemma. Uh, for voters uh, in the in the ballot box. And it happens again and again and again just because of our current system.
0: So so in this, sorry to cut you off, but in this, so let's use the 3rd Congressional District as an example, because there were so many candidates in that 7,812?
1: race. 7,812? Yeah,
0: pretty much. Yeah. I think the entire district was in that race. <laughs> and, oh, and people who actually didn't live in the district oh, were, in that, <laughs> were in that race. Um, and then there was Rick Green, the Republican. And so you would put all of the Democrats and Rick in one pool almost, and then they would be able to rank them?
2: Let's back up. So what you're describing, Jen, is the open primary system, uh, which would open up, which would have one large field of any party and every party in the same uh, race, even before you get to a general. We are not proposing the top two system like you have in California. We're not proposing the general primary in New Orleans. Correct. The party would pick its majority winner, and then the general election, the general electorate would pick their majority winner at that stage. So ranked so
1: choice voting in the primary and then ranked choice voting in the general. Correct.
2: And this, let's just take note, this is the exact system that the voters of Maine passed in 2016 but by the ballot. And Maine used this system statewide last year in 2018.
1: And so as someone who way back when uh, worked on Cambridge City Council races 15 plus years ago with... Uh, the late great Brian Murphy. How similar is this to proportional representation in Cambridge where, you know, you'd be sitting in the senior center until three in the morning trying to figure out who got that number seven spot? Right,
2: so the only similarity between what we're proposing and what Cambridge does is the use of the ranked ballot, but we're proposing using ranked choice voting for single winner offices only. Whereas,
1: to clarify Mm. for folks, in Cambridge, I believe it's nine city councilors who get in, so you rank your top whatever, and then multiple people win.
2: That's right. So when you have nine open seats for city council and and several for a school committee as well, if you have two or three challengers per seat, you're going to have a big, complex ballot. That's a problem of having so many open seats, not a problem of ranked choice voting. Ranked choice voting just lets you navigate any size of any field more intelligently and with more power. Mm. So let's get into how it's counted, yeah? So if, if ranked choice voting is it's counted as an instant runoff. So a lot of people are familiar with runoffs. Everybody runs in one round, and then the top two vote getters run head to head so that you ensure a majority winner in that second round. When you have two candidates in an election, the winner has to have a majority mathematically. If someone has 52%, then the other candidate, by definition, has to have 48%. So one has to have more than 50% to win. With ranked choice voting, the principle is the same. You have to win a majority, however, how ranked choice voting, uh, it does this in a more elegant way in that you get a majority winner in a single round, even if you have three, four, five, or more candidates. That's the key. And so if you take your two-round runoff system that we use in our cities to elect mayor, for instance, you get to collapse them into one election that you use a ranked ballot instead. In effect, it's the same system, and it's actually a better system. You increase voter turnout because the the preliminary elections in those cities have very low turnout. Um, so everybody's in the same game. All the voters see who's on the ballot and knows what's going on. And you save the city money that way. You also reduce some of the long campaign cycle times so more people can get into the game and compete. Um, so now the way a ranked choice voting election is counted is you first look at every candidate's first choice votes. How many first choices did I get from the voters? And you count those up and you say, if any candidate got more than 50% of the favorite number one first choice votes, they win the election. They got that majority. But if no candidate gets the majority, this is why ranked choice voting is so important. Because it ensures that the district as a whole or the city or the state or the country can move in a direction according to the majority, not merely the biggest slice or the biggest tribe. So in the third congressional district, in the Democratic primary, you had 10 candidates. The winner got 22% of the vote, which meant that 78% of voters did not choose the winner, even though in True Blue, Massachusetts, they went on to, be, to govern the 100%. That's not democracy, and that's not right. So ranked choice voting would mitigate that problem and actually ensure you have more than 50, which is more appropriate. So let's, take a, let's, let's go back to our example where all the candidates run. You count up first choice votes. Let's say the, the highest vote getter got 40%. So in our current plurality system, they would win. Mm-hmm. They got the most votes. That's, that's what I call the pick one and pray voting system. But with ranked choice voting, you need 50%. So what you do is you begin eliminating the weakest candidates. Those voters, instead of throwing their vote away, their vote transfers to their next available backup, their second choice. Then you add those into the remaining candidates. And then you look again, does any candidate have a majority?
1: So when you say add them in, let's say, you know, I've, I've voted for Fozzie Bear. <laughs> Fozzie did not make the cut. Yep. You're taking my number two vote. So you're seeing who I ranked number two in this second round. Or who I ranked number one in the second round. How does this work?
2: So everyone's first choice vote remains as it is. Okay. You eliminate the candidate that got the fewest number of first choice
1: right. votes. Right. So now Fozzie's votes aren't in there because Fozzie was kicked off the ballot. That's I have right. no idea why I'm using Muppet examples, I but love I'm it. running I with use, it. I use, I use, That's on you. you know, I'm yeah. it <laughs> yeah. now, so no, I'm off. but I'm I'm committed now. So Fozzie's <laughs> out and so That's now right. you're taking
2: Fozzie voters. Yep. So normally their vote would be rendered thrown away. They'd be disenfranchised right. at that moment. But now they have the power of backup. So Fozzie loses. Now we look at their ballots and we go to their second choice. Got it. And so your vote is never wasted. Your vote is always in play. Everybody in the election has a voice. Everybody. And so now you look at those voters' second choices. You add them to whoever is remaining. So maybe most of them want Miss Piggy. And maybe Miss Piggy was 39% and the front runner was 40%. Mm -hmm. I forget who who he said. Elmo. Was forty percent.
1: <laughs> if we get to Muppet Babies, we're really in yeah. trouble. Yeah,
2: <laughs> and Miss Piggy actually had so many supporters from Fozzie's. Fozzie's, that we need a chart. Yeah, we need a Muppet chart. That she actually got over the fifty percent threshold hmm. and won the election. Got it. In the end, so you had a winner there that was the front runner in the first round, but once you actually tapped into a majority of what voters wanted, the true favorite. Was Miss Piggy was yeah. someone different.
1: Hashtag elect women.
2: And this is exactly what happened in the second con- congressional district in Maine.
0: So okay I have so many questions as you could imagine. I'm like my you know I'm ranked choice voting which ones I should talk no, about. I see your nerd <laughs> wheel spinning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, So a couple of things. Number one here's my biggest question. Who is going through these ballots more than once?
2: No I this mean, is all either... done with it's easy. Yeah you you scan them into We all use optical scan machines in Massachusetts. Right the so, the, then so it they they'd take into the it machine. again? No Okay. So the ballot data is stored in the machine, okay. and then you run them through an Excel formula, essentially and do we it's have, simple okay. open source software. Do we have the
1: infrastructure to do that? Like, with yes. all the machines that exist, with different
0: programming? Yes. Okay. Do you well, need Do you need the current Secretary of State that actually probably has never opened a computer to do this, or <laughs> okay. do we need to elect a new Secretary of State?
2: I'm, <laughs> I'm definitely not commenting on that. Well, maybe <laughs> the follow up question can, can be continuing to make
1: friends today. <laughs> I have a feeling you and Galvin weren't like hanging out on the weekend already. No. It's just like a hunch. That's funny. But, um, so maybe the follow-up question to that <laughs> Let, is what, what would need to happen to implement something um, yeah. in in place of Jen and Secretary Galvin. This is, this is why BFF. I love
2: doing this because it's a new idea and people have lots of questions and the answers are actually really easy and clear, but they're just not well known. And so all we have to do is look at places that have done it, right? So we could go back and forth about how what's our plan for Massachusetts. What What did Maine do? You know, Maine has one sixth of the population. They don't have nearly the, the level of kind of resources and intellectual might of all our universities here in Massachusetts and the tech infrastructure. I mean, you and all said Maine
1: stuff. was dumb, not us.
2: That's <laughs> <that>. <laughs> now you're putting words. In. <laughs> Fair. No. So Maine, no, but they were able to pull this off at the cost of $110,000. Wow. They were able to add ranked choice voting to a statewide primary system for federal and state office for just over Mm $100,000. And all they had to do was take some of their machines, they, every, we're getting into the weeds here, but some of the optical scan machines, they render the data into memory cards. They take those memory cards, they plug them into an Excel formula, essentially, that anybody can see. They run the ranked choice voting tabulation. That's essentially it. And for those, some of the towns are way out in the boondocks. They don't have a machine, they don't have an optical scan machine, they hand count. So you can take those ballots and you can run them through a regional machine or you can bring them to the Capitol, run them through a machine to get them into a data form, put them into the spreadsheet, and boom, in, in microseconds we have our ranked choice voting results.
1: And what would we have to do decision making wise to get to the point? Of reprogramming the machine?
2: So the machine does not need to be reprogrammed. They can actually, you can actually create a ranked choice voting election in the ballot design.
1: Okay, but my question okay. is what,
2: what I more mean, do we need to do? Yeah,
1: we can't just say, and we would like ranked choice voting. I mean, oh,
2: sure. Oh, okay, right. From a policy standpoint. From a standpoint, policy standpoint, uh, what do we have to absolutely. do
1: before we worry about the machine? Absolutely. Oh, wait, let me see. The legislators that really
0: tackle lots of tough, topics here in Massachusetts, they're going to vote this in. Yeah. Go <laughs> Well, no, right. no. I this. mean,
2: that's OK. If you want to go back to legislative engagement, sure. Um, you know, we'll, maybe we should start with, you know, where we started at Voter Choice and then now where we are in, you know, in the early 2019. Um, when, when Maine passed ranked choice voting in 2016, I, I called a meeting of just who was out there. I had a list of a couple hundred people. Um, who's interested in moving um, election reform forward in Massachusetts and moving ranked choice voting. And I had 54 people come out to my office downtown here in Boston. And uh, from that meeting, we started organizing. And month by month, we got out and we engaged with voters. We engaged with folks at at events, at town halls, at farmers markets, at the Democratic Convention, at the Republican Convention. Uh, And we were able to build quite a large list. We're at 25,000 people statewide who want to see this. Um, 5,000 people who signed up to volunteer with us, Um, nearly 2,000 people who've donated. Uh, And these are folks who realize that the time is now for better voting in Massachusetts. And the session began recently um, for the new legislature. We filed two bills. Um, One bill would enact ranked-choice voting for state and federal offices statewide. The other bill would allow, give a local option to communities, municipal governments, to try ranked-choice voting for local elections. those bills combined, we garnered 82 unique co-sponsors for them uh, in only the first month of the session. And while that's going on, we're having one-on-one, what we call our 200 coffees campaign. There are 200 members in the legislature. So we have one-on-one 20-minute briefings with every legislator. And we have 100 plus more to do. So we're expecting to get a majority of the legislature co-sponsoring ranked choice voting by the end of this month and um, 70% by May.
0: Uh, considering the Republicans make up, like, you know, a handful of people on, in both houses, what is, I noticed on your website, there's a, one, there are a ton of testimony, there's a ton of testimonial from Democrats, um, but also, more importantly, newer newly elected Democrats. Um, So how do you make the pitch to the Republicans? Um, Because I think that, in in all honesty, in democracy, we need both sides to buy into any sort of changes. It can't just be one side drives this, because that will be a very bad news story to have the legislature be, you know, all Democrats and no Republicans on this. Um, And then also, what is the view from the more seasoned legislators <laughs> that have been there for a long time are they are they open and receptive to this as well?
2: So Republicans, there is a there is a case to be made to Republicans in Massachusetts. Um, <clears throat> ranked choice voting is good for whoever is in a district. A majority wants to go in a certain direction. As as long as there's two candidates, like a left and a right candidate, everything's fine. The minute you introduce a third candidate, our voting system breaks down. So there's cases where actually the district wanted to go into a right, a right leading direction. So in 2012, in the sixth congressional district, we had Richard Tizze, a really strong Republican candidate challenging John Tierney, who was the Democratic incumbent. That, you know, Tizze was looking good. It looked like actually we'd have a Republican member of Congress. What happened was Dan Fishman, the libertarian entered the race. There's a 1% difference between the front runners. Dan Fishman pulled 5%. Hmm. Dan Fishman nadered the election for the Republican, right? Just like Schultz is going to Schultz or Nader the election <laughs> for the Democrat by splitting their vote and allowing you know the current president to walk back into office for his next term. So there is a case to be made to both parties, and this is a strictly nonpartisan uh, reform that would ensure that voters are not thwarted just because there's more than one candidate to represent their view. They don't split up the will of the majority. So that, that's a really important point for Republicans to note. You also had the case with Deval Patrick's second term and uh, Charlie Baker challenging him for the first time. And then Tim Cahill, a pro-business independent uh, who pulled 8% in that election. So there may have been a spoiler situation there. A lot of people thought Cahill was a plant candidate. Same with Evan Falchuk, Martha Coakley, and and Charlie Baker from the 2014 race. Evan Falchuk was was actually a widely liked independent. He had a pretty moderate platform. Um, but door after door that he would knock on, people would say, you know, Evan, I think you're great. There's no way in hell I'm going to vote for you because you're an independent and I'd be throwing my vote away. But, it, but he did get, you know, a few percentage points, and there was a very, very, very tight race between Baker mm-hmm. and Coakley. That could have made the difference. We don't make any claim in terms of where, let's say, an independent supporters would have gone. Would they have gone to Baker as their second choice? Would they have gone to Democrat Coakley as their second but it would be really good for us to know that, to see, because neither of those candidates won a majority for governor.
1: So we don't have a lot of time left, but I'm curious, where do you go from here? I mean, you're, you're working on sponsors. You're working on your 200 coffees. Where does this campaign go next? And where can people go if they want to learn more?
2: The number one opposition to ranked choice voting, it's not incumbents. It's not, you know, clerks. Uh, it's not vested interests. It's people not knowing about it. It's lack of education. So the number one thing that advocates need to do both in Massachusetts and around the country is just put out messages out there and create education that helps people understand it. And once people get it, they tend to love it. They tend to embrace it, as has happened in Maine. They had, they, they waged a really good campaign up there in Maine. And we actually made some calls to main voters to try it out, and 80% of the calls we made, if someone didn't know what it was, we walked them through it in 30 seconds, and they said, wow, this is common sense, I want this, this gives me more power as a voter, this frees me from the lesser of two evils dilemma, this makes sure that candidates with the best ideas, not just the best political networks or the biggest bank accounts, have a shot at running and winning without getting pressured out of the race or without voters being afraid to vote for them. So it's it's really good for everyone. Ranked Choice Voting gives everyone a voice in our elections.
1: And if folks want to learn more?
2: Visit our website, voterchoicema.org. Uh, donate at our donate page. <laughs> Check us out on Facebook. We have a lot of followers, a lot of fun um, rank them up polls where we throw up a bunch of uh, presidential candidates and you can rank them using ranked choice voting and we show you the results in a few weeks. Oh, that's extra that's nerdy. Fun. I love it. Yeah, yeah seriously. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of fun.
1: That appeals to our nerd hearts. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Well, Adam, thank you so much for joining us. This is absolutely fascinating. And it's a, uh, an issue that's picked up a lot of steam here in Massachusetts. So, Thank you so much for yeah. educating us and uh, our moms who are our only listeners.
0: Yes. And and maybe, well, maybe like they're 55 and older. My mom's 55 and older community. I think she spreads it out. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah, I think a lot We're of them sit up. at the pool. So thank you, mom. Thank you to all your <laughs> friends. Um, Adam, thank you so much for being here. We appreciate it. And um, it's a very interesting topic for us. And with that, Jesse, awesome to uh to be back in the seat with you again. I know I missed you. I know I missed you too. I'm very very sad. Yeah, you know, it's not fun arguing with some of the other people I have to argue. It's not <laughs> fun arguing with you.
1: I mainly argue with myself or my dog. <laughs> and her verbal skills are I have lacking. a 15-year-old. I beat you. I'll give you my 15-year-old. I'll take your dog. <laughs> no, thanks. I'll give you the 15. the dog. Keeping the dog. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right. Well, I'm Jennifer Nassour. I am a Republican, former Mass GOP
1: chair. And I'm Jessie Murmel, and I'm a Democrat, and we'll talk to you guys next month.